0: Welcome to Code Gray's. This week we're talking about season two, episode twenty-one, superstition. Named so, after a Stevie Wonder song, right? Will you sing it right. for us, Patrice?
1: I will not. I have a terrible voice.
0: Very superstitious. People <laughs> 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 are. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, Patrice Nobody is going to run through our rounds for Came to for this us.
1: podcast for us to sing to them. <laughs> Nobody pays for this podcast at all. I said no one came to this oh. podcast. <laughs> Wait, you're not paying me for this?
0: Uh, no. In, in what the, the fuck vino am I doing verde, here? In the vino verde I've got right here. All right, Megan, you got the timer?
2: I do, I do. You ready, Patrice? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, three, two, one, go.
1: Okay, so the rounds. So this episode is basically every single doctor in this hospital believes in something besides science four (laughs) randos die immediately in the beginning the patients that we have are Jesse Fannin who has OCD and he has a brain bleed uh, which he got in a car crash Nikki Ratlin who is a stalker who (laughs) uh, fell out of a tree during a storm or got struck by lightning it's really unclear until later uh denny duquette is still in the hospital and izzy is still about to lose her medical license because she's a terrible doctor and then we have ollie warner three who's a recovering alcoholic two. with cirrhosis <laughs> and richards <laughs> what's the word sponsor sponsor <laughs> what's the word <laughs>
2: Good
0: good. We got him. Yeah,
1: yeah, we got
0: him. Good, em- good enough. <laughs> you, know you guys what? are tough critics. You know what's the philosophy of Code Gray is good enough. <laughs> good enough.
1: <laughs> that's really the philosophy of every doctor in this hospital.
0: Good <laughs> enough. Good burn. Yeah. That's, that's real.
1: real. That's a fire really joke. <laughs> good
0: point. So this is like this is a this is a fascinating episode. My notes were very long. I really really got after it. Um. But it was uh, written by James Perriott, directed by Trisha Brock. Um, it was... Or it was directed by Trisha and written by James. We had it opposite in our notes. And it was released March 19th, 2006. Weird one. Weird one. A lot to talk about Juju.
2: Yeah. The whole <laughs> focus of this episode is superstitions. Um, and it starts off with with four patients dying in the same day. And, like... My first reaction to that is, like, I'm shocked that that's not more common at a hospital, especially (laughs) Seattle Grace, (laughs) where, like, people die all the time. So I didn't see that as striking, but then it's clear that there's some sort of, like... (laughs) when there's when it rains it pours apparently when it comes to death and they think there's going to be seven and then people are very superstitious about their own patients. So that's sort of like the framing and and it's clear that every doctor as patrice said believes in something that's not science. <laughs> and so everybody has their own weird. It actually I kind of like the opening scene, right, where Meredith's talking or she's narrating and um and she's talking about sort of the things that people believe in and it goes through each of their little superstitions and I think it's like very cute
0: <laughs> it is it is yeah it's it's funny because um, it's such a shaky premise like four people die and someone immediately jumps to like well there's gonna be seven and everyone yeah. operates as though that is medical fact yes well
1: the guy in the morgue said the so the guy in
0: the morgue said so
1: <laughs> and who knows more about death <laughs> than him that's, no that's one I right.
0: That's that's right. Per Izzy. So, so we've got so we, if we have some superstitions, we've got Derek who starts every single surgery the same way. He says it's a beautiful day to save lives. I really like his superstition. I like his too. I just think it's so think sweet. It's lovely. And is that a superstition or a habit? See, I think the yeah. show gets caught up in a lot of things, right? Because we're conflating we're conflating OCD like compulsions with superstitions, with religious beliefs, with habits. And, and it I, makes for a bizarre show. And
2: like preferences, you know, yes. like it's it's just a funny I think that they've they've kind of created this big umbrella that that is not entirely fair. And I think Derek's yeah. thing is like yes a habit. I think that it errs on superstition because there's a lot of of like belief that he has to say it. Right, and it, like if he doesn't mm-hmm. say it, then like there's an episode later on where Addison, some is you know somebody's being operated on that's a, a friend or a, a sibling or something of Addison's, and she's like watching. He's got to have brain surgery, and she's watching over him, and she's like say it, say it, you have to say it, and he says it, and she's like okay, it's gonna be okay, and it's like this thing that sort of it's like this balm for people that like not unlike me, where like it makes me feel good when he says it, and I think that like the reason that that superstition or whatever we want to call it doesn't bother me is because I think it's like uniquely very positive like you know what I mean like there's like a really positive thing about it and it's just like a nice reassuring thing to say when you're about to do something really fucking scary
0: yeah it is it is really reassuring and it's it gives me the sense that like Derek in the operating room is like I bet he's like a wonderful teacher or like I bet it's like a a fun operating room to be in I don't know and then like his his like Nurse starts, like, whatever station it is that right. he likes to listen to wherever. He always
1: also says, now let's have some fun. Now let's have some fun. Which yeah. might be yeah. a morbid thing to yeah, say. it is
0: a little bit weird, but I like it. I do like it. Yeah. As opposed to Burke's superstition, which is he has to have his special surgical caps. In this episode, he's out of surgical caps. They've been lost somewhere between the laundry and Seattle Grace. And he just has a full-on meltdown about it. And I really get that a lot. (laughs) That's that's very real to me. I absolutely would have canceled everything for the day and just been like, nope, there's bad energy in here. Bye.
1: What's your special scrub cap?
0: I have so many superstitions, Patrice. I truly don't know. And actually, actually, much like the show that's conflating OCD with superstition, It's hard for me to separate what is a compulsion or like what is what is an obsessive thing and what is just what is just a superstition, you know. (laughs) So like a superstition for me is that I always travel with a rosary. I never board. I I never. Yep, I never board an airplane without a rosary. If I got to the airport and didn't have a rosary with me, I would turn. I would not take my flight. Straight up, wouldn't take my flight. I never listen to music while the plane is taking off. I'm never listening to anything or watching anything. I'm, like, in a moment of, like, meditation. And then once the plane levels out, I put my headphones back in and restart my music. But I say, like, a very specific, I guess, prayer every single time during takeoff. And I pray for, like, the duration of takeoff until we level out.
2: So here's a question about that. Is that that's religion or is that superstition? <laughs> oh, because me, I mean, think that you're using like, you're using like very sort of like religious, right? Like a rosary is a piece of plastic or it's like the symbol of prayer, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And or wood or whatever it's made out of, right? And so I like- I think
0: for me, it's like, I don't, I don't believe in an interventionist God. Like I was raised Catholic yeah. and I, I very specifically do not believe in an interventionist God. So I yeah. know rationally- That there's no reason praying for my pilots to have like good judgment and wisdom on the flight is going to actually accomplish that, but it calms me down. Hmm. Right. That's literally just two. I could so, but that's interesting because to me about my superstitions.
2: (laughs) But I think that that's interesting because. You just said it calms me down. It doesn't cause the pilot to do better. It will not cause the plane to not crash or whatever it is that you're worried about. Right. You know, so that's where I'm like, I don't know if that's a superstition. Right. Because you believe that like the the, like result will be the same regardless of whether or not you do it. And my sense is is like Burke feels like I don't have these scrub caps and so I cannot do this. Because it will go badly because of my hat.
0: Right. Because of, <laughs> so I don't know. Because of my hat. You say it was brutal. such contempt. Was brutal tough. <laughs> my I'm hat. sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I think my rosary would be a better example of like I wouldn't board a flight yeah. without it. Right. Like, right. I just, I just wouldn't do that. We're getting into it. It's weird. It's a weird episode. There's a lot happening. I like it and I hate it at the same time. So, should we jump into our, like, actual cases?
2: Yeah. Yeah, let's okay. do it.
0: <laughs> we're all, like, we're all, like, what? Wait, but actually, isn't... before that, do, do, am I the only person with superstitions?
1: No. Um, And I had to spend a very long time thinking about what superstitions are just ingrained in me. Black Southern people have a lot of superstitions from, like... You can't have cats in your house when you have babies because they'll steal their breath. Mm-hmm. That's a legitimate thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that some of my relatives believe. Do you have, have never opened an a- umbrella in a house? I don't open umbrellas in the house.
0: Never do that. Gina will joke every once in a while. She'll go to, like, open an umbrella, and I'm like, that's terrible luck. What are you doing? It makes
1: me very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's wrong.
1: Um, really? Yeah. And I think about some things that are just – ritual as well like what's the difference between superstition and ritual Mm -hmm. like black eyed peas on new years that brings fortune for the new year is that superstition Mm -hmm. or is that ritual Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
2: but is that see i just think it like really blurs the lines right between tradition and and maybe they're the same, right? Like maybe Burke wears his dumb hat because it's the hat he's always worn, or it's like the one he wore in medical school, or something like that. But and and so a tradition becomes a superstition. Like yeah. I guess my question is like, at what point does religion become tradition, become habit or ritual become superstition, right? Like where like all of those things to me operate in the same like like galaxy <laughs> right. but but have like a fundamentally different flair and i'm having i guess i'm ha- as somebody who does not is not superstitious and like patrice you said something in your notes or somewhere along the lines of like you had a lot of superstitions as a child um but but aren't so superstitious anymore and i think that was me too but i would also like classify my superstitions as a child as like fierce right like i felt like i had to do this because i was afraid of what of you know what I mean? Like, to me, it didn't come from, like, a, if I don't do this, it came from a, like, trying to ward off some sort of fear, which, again, maybe that's the same thing. I don't know.
1: I would agree. I, yeah. yeah. A lot of my superstitions as a child came from fear. Like, I thoroughly believed as a child that if I stepped on a crack, my mom yeah. might die.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was Absolutely.
1: concerned about that. I was Absolutely. fearful about yeah. that. If I stepped on a crack, I would run home to make sure my mom was still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so... You know, I don't know where those things, I guess you become more rational around superstitions like that. You know, you're, you intellectualize things and you think, of course, if I don't do that, Mm -hmm. nothing bad is going to happen. But I do
0: think it's interesting, Megan, that you say that you're not superstitious. And this might be, this might like get like too into the weeds and we can also totally cut this. But are, would, are you still a practicing Catholic? Like, do you consider yourself a practicing Catholic?
2: I would consider myself a passive Catholic. A passive
0: Catholic, right? <laughs> so I think that it depends, because both of you made the comment that it's weird that the episode conflates Bailey's religious beliefs, like sh- her prayer. That's That's her superstition, that the show conflates that religious practice with superstition. But mm-hmm. it depends on the lens you're using, right? So like if you're looking at Catholic ritual through the lens of an atheist, mm. what else is that than superstition? It,
1: that is oh, literally,
0: totally. that is literally re- what religion is, right? is it's a codified set of superstitions. So in that sense that like if Gray's anatomy is taking sort of this neutral bird's eye observation of the various ritualistic practices of the Seattle Grace, medical staff it's like yeah of course Bailey's prayer is the same as Burke's scrub caps is the same as the words you know the citation that Derek needs to recite is the same as you know the juju right like yeah I don't
2: know No, I I, I totally hear that and I think that that's like I, I think that what this episode is doing is exactly what we keep like diagnosing over and over again is that they're taking like one giant superstitious bucket and like throwing every everything in it they're saying like it's all superstition right like why you know like for like you said for somebody who's an atheist like belief in a higher power is like as garbage as like a flowered hat that you need to wear you know and like and I and and I actually have a lot of respect for that argument I think that it's like hard it's like when you see it's you know it's like a windows and mirrors thing that like when you see yourself in one of them you're like that one's fine but that one is mm-hmm. dumb yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and I, I think that that's some, like, like a
1: yes
0: yeah, some, some snaps yeah. Patrice and I are over here snapping for Megan right now yeah. this yeah. just became a poetry reading <laughs> yeah. it became like a beat poetry session <laughs> yeah.
2: so I don't know and I th- I think that like that's what like clearly like this this episode resonated so hard with Teresa who's like openly superstitious right like she's not like closeted at all about her superstitions and like what she what she does and what she believes in right but like it's not lost on me that the ones that I respect and the ones that I don't respect like reflect my own practices or history or you know upbringing or whatever um so it's just I don't know it's just kind of an interesting thing Um, but you know what, I gotta say though, that like one that we haven't talked about and, and we're, we're going to get into the patients too, but one that we haven't talked about is, um, this idea of Addison's juju. Um, and what I think is unique about hers is that it's, it's reactive instead of proactive. Mm. Right. So like Burke needs the hat to do the surgery. Bailey's got to say a prayer. Derek's got to say a thing and everybody's sort of like doing things, Proactively, And Addison's is is reactive, right? She brings cocoa, when somebody's having a bad day or, or, you know, something bad has happened. And I should also say that, like, I'm not deeply familiar with the concept of Juju. Like, that's not something I was, like, raised with or have any sort of cultural context for. Um, and so I don't know if that's just, like, her iteration of, of Juju or if that's, like, a typical um, practice. Anyway, I just thought hers was, like, I, I think that um, I really liked her, I don't know. I thought it, I think it's like not dissimilar from Derek's that it's like very positive, very like specific. And, and I like the realist in me, like really likes that it's reactive instead of like throwing something into the ether, hoping it changes things.
0: Yeah. That's I a think, really good
1: point. Yeah. I also think that's a really good point. I feel like Juju, her, you know, manifestation of Juju sort of feels similar to like, how people are like oh there's bad vibes in this place I need to mm. sweep them out or smudge them out or sage them out or whatever which also I think speaks to this like white lady idea of <laughs> <laughs> getting all the bad energies or are just like so Marion Williamson
0: <laughs> here's a positive energy yes. I bought you
1: a pumpkin spice latte <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah yeah, I can see, I can see that too. But I, I, yeah, I, I do appreciate that it is sort of receptive and it, and it's that it's responding to something instead of. I don't know. Addison doesn't see herself as a demigod, kind of mm. in the way that Burke and right. Derek for sure do. Bailey, uh, maybe less so. We don't have as clear. I, I don't think a sense of Bailey as a character yet. But Derek and Burke, it feels like. They see themselves as, you know, at least, like, God's hands, if not. Right. If I (laughs) don't do this, something
1: Mm -hmm. bad is going to happen, as opposed to something bad has happened. Yes. And now I'm going to try, not even necessarily to make bad things not continue to happen, but just make sure that people feel comforted so that they don't suck in that bad energy yeah right yeah. right right it's, it
0: is it is almost like a I, yeah i don't know it is almost it, it sort of sucks to say but it is kind of a maternal like more caretaking approach to the superstition yeah then this like yeah. sort of hierarchical like i have to do this thing or something bad will happen because i have that much power <laughs> right <laughs> right <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah We, I, you know we can we kind of listed them already with patrice with her wonderfully concise rounds just beautiful <laughs> excellent rounds so, <laughs> so i let's i mean we could start maybe with jesse yeah I, I think, yeah i think my notes just went chronologically um yeah
2: jesse i think feels he's like most- a big bag of
1: worms yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: and it's it's a problematic,
2: um, it's a problematic case, and I think that um, I think we should start with him because I think the others are are, are less interesting for, <laughs> you know, like I, mean, I think one that, of them, uh, anyway. Denny,
0: and as Patrice so so concisely summed up in her notes, Denny still dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Truly, what more needs to be said there?
2: <laughs> um. So, like, so we have Jesse. He got in a car accident, and he gets in a car accident because he he has obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's, um, Teresa, I think you did a really good job of sort of 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 mining into like the how how problematic, um, their their representation of obsessive compulsive disorder is. Um, but we're we're sort of led to believe that he has he has counting he has a counting tick in particular, and he was at a stoplight and had to count the the lights changing for a certain amount of times before he could proceed through the intersection, which of course leads him to get into a car accident. And his issue is he, he needs, I think he needs, he gets brain surgery, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he,
0: yeah. he has a yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 The bleed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Teresa, do you want to talk us through a little bit about like what was so, um, I don't know a little bit about sort of your narrative with this character?
0: yeah so i felt like jesse was really interesting and really disappointing um i i think that this character is particularly interesting because bailey in later seasons spoilers i guess develops obsessive compulsive disorder right and and that like really derails her for a period of time and i have some like critiques about that narrative as well but so it's like this this storyline like planted a seed around OCD and I'm interested about how they got from Jesse to Bailey later. Mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. sort of wrote my way into my critique of Jesse, so thanks to Patrice and Megan for reading all of that shit, but <laughs> I think what's frustrating for me is number one that they give Jesse like everything. So it's like he has a yeah. counting he has a counting compulsion but he doesn't seem to have like particular triggers it's it's like it's like more of a tick than a set of like uh like discrete compulsions which was frustrating for me because there's no character left for this guy he is literally just his compulsions and that was really i i just felt like that did a disservice to the character who's clearly struggling with a severe debilitating mental health disorder and we don't really get any discussion of that Um, it's also that there's no um, uh, part of it is the musical cues too so he gets kind of so you can Mm -hmm. pay attention with Grey's Anatomy like when do the kind of insert musical cues here but when those cues come in it's like okay we're not necessarily supposed to take this patient seriously at this time That doesn't mean that their storyline isn't going to take a tragic turn at some point. But right now, their their presenting symptoms are not to be taken terribly seriously.
1: I didn't like
0: that they did that with Jesse. He has a severe Mm -hmm. enough mental health issue to cause himself to be in an accident in which he was critically injured. That's not funny to me. Um, And then my final critique, and this took me, honestly, like a watch partway through a second rewatch and then me typing notes during my breaks at work today to like arrive at this conclusion. I'm frustrated with the representation of Jesse's compulsions because they don't pay any attention to the root of the compulsions. So obsessive compulsive disorder is not just like, I have to count to three when I close a door. I have to shut and open it three times before I can walk out of it, right? It's not just that, like it's, it's not, you're not just counting f- for your fucking health. Like you're doing a counting because you have some kind of intrusive thought that is rationalizing that the only way X can happen or the only way to prevent X from happening is if you count opening and shutting the door three times before you walk through it. Mm
1: -hmm. They
0: never get into that with him. And it's frustrating to me when media divorces compulsions from the obsessive part. It is obsessive, compulsive disorder that first word is really important there's something intruding on your brain your brain is stuck on an idea and your compulsion is the way to resolve the obsessive thinking Mm -hmm. and so often in media representation of OCD we just get "Ah, look at this irrational need to count to channel 22 twice before turning off the television. One of my compulsions when I was growing up, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what a fucking weird thing to do. Well, it's like, no, I actually had a very reasoned, like, consideration for why I needed to change the channel to 22 twice before I turned it off. If you asked any single person with OCD, why they count a certain number or why they do things in a repetitive way, they'll be able to identify for you probably when that started, why that started, and how they continue doing it. That never happens with right. Jesse, and I think that's frustrating. And it oftentimes doesn't happen when we, when we talk about OCD, if it's just in meme form or if it's in a more serious like representation in television or film.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like they really missed an opportunity especially since they decided to bring Raj. I really feel like they missed an opportunity to make Raj a mouthpiece to talk about the background of this, especially since Christina was so uncaring Mm. about his compulsions. And it was so clear in her attitude towards him that she thought it was so irrational that she probably felt like he could stop at any time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think she... Literally, sometimes he was like, "I'm not done," and she was like, "Yeah, you are." Mm-hmm. So she just had no care about that, and I feel like they just really missed an opportunity to say, "This is the psychology or psychosis behind it, and this is why he needs to do it." Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's right. the point of Raj? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah right. Exactly. Seriously,
2: that's that's for sure true. And I think that there's like, it's almost like they're guilty of of. Of so many bad, like, representations early on in this show, right? And not that they're immune from it now, present day, but it's, like, even looking at the way they treat nurses, right? Like, this, this show does so many good things for representation, but it is it's hands are not clean at all. And I think that this is like a really concrete example of that. Um, And I think I find it particularly frustrating because it's such an opportunity, right? Like, it's not like, Oh, it's not really the focus of the show. It's like, no, it is the focus of the show. This is a case, right? Like it's a medical show about like doctors and, and, you know, diagnoses and, and, and to really miss out on that um, is a bummer for them. Um, So I, I think, I think it's really too bad myself.
1: That's Jesse. Yeah. I think also your point, Triza, about the... Sorry, Megan.
2: Oh, no, not at all. I was just going to finish off Jesse by saying (laughs) he also dies.
1: Oh, God. R.I.P. Jesse. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) R.I.P. them. I I feel like a good segue is to say, like, Triza, I feel like your critique about them making him a comical point and lumping him in with Nikki who mm. was also a comical point and just the way that they literally they had them side by side in the elevator yeah. with that quirky music you could come to it here, now yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> where she is you know uh, Megan you said it really nicely she's very 2019 she's into <laughs> astrology she's probably oh got crystals I know,
2: like, 19 Nickies right now, just so you all know.
1: <laughs> I mean, who doesn't know 19 Nickies? I'm probably a Nicky. <laughs> I admit to having crystals. I'm pretty She's... sure I live
0: with a Nicky, so.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing because they paint her as being so wacky. And they're like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if somebody believed that much in astrology? And it's like, every person I meet in an elevator right now is like, oh, of course you're an Aquarius. And I'm like,
0: all right. You're like, like, have you met a lesbian? Like, just one.
1: Ever. (laughs) Like, any. (laughs) Yeah, so Nikki's case is fairly boring. And she's obviously consumed by her horoscope. And they make it out to be so wacky. Um, And then the sleeper note is that she's actually a stalker. They do this, such a strange, (laughs) slow reveal. It's so unnecessary. Oh my God. I just wish her story had been like, I was outside trying to clear a branch from my tree and it fell on me. (laughs) Instead of like, I'm a wacky psycho who believes in crystals and magic. And I was also stalking this man.
0: I climbed a tree to spy on my ex. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, God, they just like don't take
2: either of these patients seriously. And like, clearly she's like a deeply unhappy person, right? Like, you know, and and she's like suffering, like, you you know, she's borderline like mentally unwell, right? I think it's like what they're, they're trying to like skirt around her being mentally unwell. And then they conflate it with somebody who has like very serious obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. And so like, they don't want us to take either Nikki or Jesse seriously. And I think that that's like really sad. Right. And, and and I think that Meredith actually does a wonderful job with Nikki. Um, you know, she's, she's made up her boy or she's not made up her boyfriend, but she's like, you know, not with this guy anymore. And she's like low key stalking him. Um, But she, Meredith has this great moment where she like everybody's treating Nikki like she's batshit crazy. And Meredith sits her down and is like, just talks to her like a human being. And, and I think that's where we like, that's where I think that we see so much of the strength of Meredith as a doctor is because Mm. she has seen so much and because she is so, Deeply unhappy <laughs> that when she sees that in somebody, she is a bottomless well of like patience and empathy for them. And I think that like in that moment, you know, she says to Nikki, you know, you know, he says, I, I talked to your boyfriend. He he's he says you haven't been together in a while. And and she finally reaches her, and she like is able to be a better doctor because she can find empathy. And I think that that's. I don't know. I think about empathy a lot and like and you know, I I don't know if you do as well Teresa but like especially as like a teacher right where empathy is a really really important thing to teach young people. Um and it allows I think that in any job where you work with people in any capacity that like if you can build in empathy, you enable like you you can do your job better and i think that meredith is a really good example of that and i think that like you know this is what 2006 and we're in 2019 now um and i think that empathy is something that's like a little bit of a a dying art um and people don't have as much of it anymore and so like i really had a deep respect for meredith and how she treated this character that's like not super likable who they're not even trying to get us to like at all and who's like you know unwell um, and I found that like one of the more powerful moments, um, in this episode, at least for me.
0: Well, in that respect, it, it, she's such an interesting counterweight to Izzy, who is mm-hmm. all empathy and, and not yes. just with Denny, right? We, we saw that with other patients in, in seasons one and the beginning of season two, mm-hmm. where she can't actually function as a professional because she cannot stop empathizing to an unprofessional degree with her patients. Right. And so it's like Meredith for as sort of unstable as she's presented to us as being like, she, she just kind of just describes herself as being a mess and like acknowledges her messiness is actually like offering this sort of third way between like Mm. Izzy Utterly failing in her capacity as a medical doctor and we see that in this episode when her patient can even Denny can even recognize Her limitations and goes to Alex for a medical opinion over Izzy, right? And then we have you know Burke or Yang or Derek over here who they're not necessarily Total robots with the exception of Yang, but they're certainly not concerned with like empathic responses to their patients. And then you have Meredith kind of in the middle offering, yeah, this third way of like, I can be an excellent doctor and I can also care about where this person is coming from, what factors have led to their presenting symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately I'm going to be better at my job for it. And I, I do think that's, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I really like Meredith. I think we've kind of talked about this before. Like It is to her absolute credit as a character. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I completely
0: agree. Yeah, our final two patients are the two patients who live um, and who who aren't mentally ill and are coping in sort of more, um, I don't know, like socially validated ways. So Ollie is involved in AA, and so she, you know, is believing in a higher power and the 12 steps Mm -hmm. program etc and then you have denny who's like a real man and is like you know facing his death head on and i was just so frustrated that that was the contrast with our two mentally clearly mentally unwell patients and that like they died and it wasn't sad because the show didn't set it up to be sad whereas it would have been devastating um, if Ollie or Denny died and that's just
2: <makes noise> feel yeah. away about it yeah so I think that Ollie um you know so Ollie's the chief's sponsor through through AA which we we learn and and Teresa you made a great point that at this point in this in the series we really don't know much about the chief about chief Weber Um, I don't think we knew I think this is the first moment when we know that he um certainly that he was an alcoholic or that he's a recovering alcoholic um and I think that that's kind of an interesting way to introduce that I have no recollection of of watching this episode live and learning you know like what my thoughts as a you know presumably a teenager um were that he was an alcoholic you know like I don't I don't recall that at all um but I think that we're like slowly getting a peek into and and we also we also learn that that um, Ollie mentions like alcohol is what drove you to, you know, cheat on your wife and be with Ellis Gray or whatever. Um, and
1: I don't know if yeah, we knew that, that before Ellis or not. I can't remember. Ellis
0: to his rock bottom. Is, is right. Is I think how Ollie
1: described yes. it. Yes. Yeah. I Thank feel like they really yeah. slipped in some major bombs in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. But really nonchalantly. <laughs> yes. They're like the chief was an alcoholic or is an alcoholic. Also, he had an affair with Alice <laughs> Gray, but it's just, like, there's no, like, dun-dun-dun. It's just, like, right. oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. let's move on now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and I think that Ollie's case is, like, there's some interesting, there's, like, some potentially interesting things there of, like, she needs a liver transplant. And clearly that's hard if you're a recovering alcoholic. And, and, you know, like, there's, like, a lot that that could be there. Um, But it didn't really feel like the episode... Like, Ollie could have been a very interesting character, an interesting case, and I just found it not all that interesting, personally. I agree. Um, So I think that, like, you know, it was sort of a tool to... She was sort of a tool to, like, reveal this, like, thing about Richard that then we never really talked about. So...
0: I agree. I agree completely.
1: Right. I feel like they just used pieces of this show to move character development along, but in a really boring way.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would,
1: I would agree, Megan, that I'm super interested to know about how Unos works. When,
0: particularly because of some things coming down yeah. the pipeline.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. No spoilers. <laughs> um, but just like, how does that work? Do they make you jump through hoops? Do they assess you in sort of way? Like, if you're a recovering alcoholic and you need a liver. Are they gonna give that liver instead to someone else who has not been an alcoholic? Because you could right. potentially ruin this great organ that could go to someone who's not going to ruin it.
0: Mm-hmm. You're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it because you right that you do away. Yeah, right. Yeah, it seems to be some of that embedded. I think in the system. Should
2: we talk about Denny? Do we have
0: to? Oh, I feel like we're going to be talking about can him I just so say, much. Can I just say, Denny has, Denny has a quote that's like apropos of fucking nothing in this episode. <laughs> he says at one point, he's like being observed. His vitals are being taken. They're explaining like how dire his situation is for like the 15th time. And he says, you know, horses are a great
2: judge of character.
0: And I just was like, what did I do personally to deserve having to watch <laughs> this man suffer and die for like 12 episodes of my favorite show <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> and then alex says something alex says something in return that's like i've got an uncle that's a rodeo cowboy and everyone looks at alex like he's a crazy person for saying that out loud and i'm like excuse you denny started this totally out of nowhere conversation <laughs> about fucking horses
1: oh,
0: thank you being able to determine your fucking character they can't Alex is like as long as we're offering up useless information yeah, I, Alex like <laughs> so I never get to talk about that cousin I have <laughs> Now seems like as good a time as any.
2: Like, what? I guess we're talking about horses yeah, now <laughs>
0: The entire the entire room looks at him like you know something's growing out of his head anyway very frustrating Alex gets Alex gets a bad rap this episode. He does until and, he tries, and you, like threatens to physically assault George yeah. O'Malley in the God, you know room. that that is
2: true. Um, and I'm looking for the thing that you said, Patrice, and I can't I can't find it. But you made this point that like Alex has he puts his foot in his mouth a lot in this episode, or yeah, a lot in this episode. You know, in a few with a few different like a little with Denny, a little with Izzy, a little with George. Right? There's sort of like he has kind of a bad episode, but like. Patrice, I'm I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, how that's sort of, like, unfair, right? That Alex constantly, like, one small bad thing... One small thing happens to him and, like, things just go south for him all the time in a way that's, like, very
1: unfair for who he really is. Yeah, I just feel like they set Alex so much up for being the asshole in the beginning episodes that he becomes the punching bag for everything. And so... Even if he's not trying to be an asshole, people are yeah. like, oh, he's being an asshole. <laughs> Obviously. Right. He's just explaining to this patient the very dire situation around this surgery, but he's the dick. Yeah, yeah. He's just being a doctor. Yeah. And, like, like if
0: Yang gave that information, they would just be like, oh, that's Yang for you. Ya. I, I don't no. know. He did his job. No. Like...
2: I, I I totally agree. And like we spent all of last week's podcast episode talking about how unfair George was being to Meredith. Right. How like he was being so such a child by ignoring her and not dealing with like this, you know, this the fact that they'd slept together. And then Alex finally calls him on it. And it's, like, suddenly Alex is the bad guy for actually, like, standing up for Meredith and being, like, George, like, grow a pair and figure your shit out. Like, you slept with somebody and went badly, like, stop treating her like a trash can. And, like, he yeah. threatens to punch George, which is where we see, like, a little bit more, like, traditional, like, you know, asshole Alex or whatever. But it's also, like, in that moment, I was, like, thank you. Like, I hope a friend would – if if I was being treated that way, I would hope one of you would say to whoever was treating me that way, like – shut the fuck up, right? Yeah. And I think that, like, that doesn't make Alex an asshole. That makes him brave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, w- the, the thing that's off about this is that Alex's anger is misplaced. Mm-hmm. He's angry yeah. at Izzy, but he also needs to tell George that he's being a childish fool. Right. But those two things get smashed together. Yes.
0: Yes. In his, like, sort of aggro young-ish dude brain yes yeah.
1: yeah and I feel like that's really all we need to say about and, Denny and that's Denny I mean, yeah sorry <laughs> which is really not even about Denny still it's barely mostly alive mostly about Alex <laughs> yeah yeah,
2: right. Yeah, right. he's hanging on by a thread. He makes it through surgery. I, part of me was like, what if he didn't, like, what if this is when he died?
1: <laughs> this was it. He just yeah. dies, and we don't make it into this big deal. Uh, we yeah. don't have to watch these excruciating episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. So, they're so good I with know. the drama, though. So good with the drama. I know. They are. They're really I'm building it now.
1: how they set us up to feel sad about Denny's. Isn't it crazy to look back at it now and be like, how was I, I ever,
0: like, torn up about Denny?
1: Right. How? Yeah. And the answer was,
0: I was, like, a young, foolish woman. That's the answer. Yep.
2: (laughs) I know. And that's
0: so disappointing. (laughs) I need you to, like, Patrice just raised her hand (laughs) as though one of us would call on her.
1: (laughs) I've already told you guys that I'm, like, a teacher's pet. I'm like, I need to wait to speak. Someone will call (laughs) on me. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'll get to say my piece. (laughs) One second, talk about. I, yeah, this episode was just slipping in major things. Do um, Izzy and Denny kiss before this episode? Is this their no. first kiss? No, no this just is the first, the first kiss. This okay. is it. Mm-hmm. Number one, <laughs> where is anyone else <laughs> yes. watching yeah. Izzy kiss a kiss page. a patient? Yes, where? That's real. And then, That's after that, number two, why has no one taken her off this case? Yeah. Why does no one take her off this case? Because they've seen her through the window kissing a patient. <laughs> right. She is no longer his doctor.
2: Yeah. It's over. And she's, like, all that says that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I can't fall for a patient. And we're all like, you're right, you can't yeah. fall for a patient. <laughs>
0: like- yeah. yeah, we're like, exit his room then, you crazy person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Burt comes closest by not allowing her in on the surgery for Denny. Uh, he kicks Alex and Izzy out and takes George into the operating room instead because Alex and Izzy are fighting over her relationship with denny essentially and and izzy dumps alex and i think it's at that point that she says you're not good enough for me alex you're not good for anyone which you're not good enough for anyone which is just like fuck me what what a brutal i cannot i cannot imagine saying that to a soul there's 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 Uh, what a terrible cruel thing to say and Burke walks in at the end of that sees them fuming and and he takes them off the case not because Izzy has an inappropriate relationship with the patient right but because of the superstition right he doesn't want the bad energy in the operating room
1: but god what a fucked up thing to say to another human yeah this just feels like another case in which people are punching at Alex and I think sets it up Alex just doesn't ever get to be happy in this show. No. no. And somehow it's justified because he's like a dick. He doesn't actually have feelings. Yeah. And it's just so harsh.
0: Too many people. I don't know. It's like, Jesus, he's still a person. Oh, it's rough. For real. It's rough. All right. Should yeah. we get into, uh, should we get into our Eminem of the week? Our morbidity and mortality of the week? It's a doozy. Let's
2: do it. Let's do it.
0: What about that teardrop ranking? I gave it two out Um, of five. Apparently, I was more affected than you were. Oh, wow. But I think it was like frustration tears over the OCD case. Mm, Yeah.
2: I gave it dry eyes. Zero teardrops. Dry
0: eyes. Insert clip here. I know. Dry eyes.
2: I was gonna I was gonna give it the Ben Stein. Like that was what I was gonna call it, but then I felt like that was a dated reference that you guys wouldn't understand.
1: Listen, we're dating ourselves all the time.
0: I know, but like who cares about Ben Stein? Only Patrice and I before this episode were discussing how neither of us Fully understands what TikTok is. So what is listen, it? We're all old. We're all old here.
1: Can someone please call in, email? <laughs> yeah, if you have any. Please answers. tell me how TikTok works. Yep,
0: just let us know. Anyway, teardrop <laughs> ranking for Patrice.
1: I give it one out of five tears. Mm. Yeah, twenty percent um, tears. And not even because I was especially emotional about anyone in the show, but I felt sad for. <laughs> Jesse and Nikki, who were ultimately taken down by mental illness. Yeah. But and no one seemed to really care about yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No. Including me. Yeah.
0: yeah. And <laughs> Megan. Right. And Megan, apparently. <laughs> I really didn't care. So there were no steamy sex scenes of the week, so no on call room. It was actually like a very unsexy episode.
2: <laughs> yeah. I really, that when you wrote that, it really resonated with me. <laughs> Like, and, and, and nothing sexy happened last week. Nothing, no. like, I stand by that the sexiest thing to happen in a couple of episodes is, like, the way that Derek and Meredith look at each other as yes.
0: friends. That's <laughs> Whisper that's across it. your yeah. lady bits. They're friend, half-whispered friend conversations. Yeah, that's the sexiest thing <laughs> right. happening. Uh, so, that's about it. Song of the week, Megan?
2: I mean, you have to <laughs> give it to the fray. You have to give it to the I Fray so because because it started that.
0: and I lost it.
2: I was. I pumped. know, like the how. So it's how to save a life by the Fray. Also, is this the first incident? And of and the it's fray. the first yes, time the we've first, heard it. And yes. this song becomes iconic in the show, right? Like the whole first, maybe five, even even six or seven seasons of this show, like this song comes back as a cue. To when we need to pay attention, <laughs> or like when we need to feel <laughs> sad, you know, like, yeah, yep. it's like it's like a Pavlovian response for Grey's Anatomy fans. Of it like, is. you hear that song, and right, when you hear
1: that piano, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> it. let me get the Kleenex.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You say sit down, it's just the talk He smiles politely back at you You stare
0: politely right on through Something's And so I gotta weird. say, you guys, I like yes. I like low-key really like that song. It's <laughs> still good. That's it's a, a still good bang. song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, the
0: fray were not I, a good band. I, like
1: I respectfully disagree, <sighs> wow but... I still respect you.
0: Wow, love that song. I know. Love the fray. I'm gonna go back to their album, and uh, and see if it holds up. They only
2: had the one album, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Pretty <laughs> that's sure that's
2: all they needed. That's... I know. Like I, I think this, that like this the fray. Song is so, go ahead.
0: This song is so important to like the mythology of Grey's Anatomy that later. Um, when there is an entire musical episode of Grey's Anatomy, it gets the most prominent position in that utter piece of shit episode. I cannot wait. And the inimitable Sarah Ramirez is the one who gets to sing it. The only person on this fucking cast who can sing. Oh, yeah. Tony nominated Sarah Ramirez. She's the one who sings How to Save a Life. I'm pretty sure. She is. Um, and it's terrible don't get me wrong but like that was the one song they took seriously <laughs> that's how important it is I think that for me they were like we gotta get a Tony yeah. nominated actress to sing the phrase how to save a life we can't fuck up our calling card
1: for real that's really why she was hired they knew <laughs> they, that in the future they, they were gonna do this terrible down. fucking episode
0: god it's so bad can't wait yeah, yeah. <laughs> did anybody have a song that wasn't the fray for their song of the week no. <laughs> no, I honestly I feel like I heard that song and I just like my mind went blank. Yeah, I just became an animal. I had an animal response to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: You had uh, a little something extra though, Megan. You want to shout it out? Oh
2: well, I also really like the song Catalyst.
0: That was a nice little song. Is
2: that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a nice song because I was listening to the. So I tried like last week. None of the songs spoke to me. Like I like it minus of all. Well, might as well have all been like stock music because i didn't hear any songs um so i was trying to pay really close attention of course i didn't know that this is the episode like what a waste of an episode to put the fray in i cannot believe i'm saying that out loud but like damn (laughs) wasted the fray on this episode This
1: episode um, is all about low key bombs.
2: That's <laughs> true. Okay, that's true. Never mind. It's super on brand. Alcoholism, the <laughs> yes. fray,
1: yes. affairs.
2: It it's it like in. the like the episode that started it all in a lot of ways. Um, but there's this really. Deli- so I was trying to pay really close attention. I actually didn't know this song um, beforehand. But there's a song called Catalyst by somebody named Anna Nalik or Nalick. And it was a really. It was. I don't know. It was just sort of like a classic Grey's Anatomy, like a little acoustic. You know, borderline twee little song that um, yeah. had a nice little transition. I don't know. I really liked it. Um,
0: well, she has one, she has another one of their famous oh, she? songs. She has "Breathe, Breathe." Two AM. Oh. oh. Da, da,
2: da, da, yeah, da, 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 that song's in the musical da, 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 episode da, 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 da. too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah, just breathe. Oh, yeah, just
2: Lexi sings breathe. it in the episode.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. That's the second time. Wait till we get the yeah. musical episode so that
1: you just I sing know.
0: everything. So, So, when they do a musical episode, Code Graves so is gonna do a musical episode. Oh my god! Get ready. <laughs> we have to sing all of our commentary. <laughs> Megan's like, I'm gonna quit yep. before then. I'm gonna go ahead and step away.
1: From this I'm fully here for it. I don't care if my voice is terrible. Oh my god! We I found that. We
0: found that uh, tambourine. <gasps> We're gonna have a reason to use it. Soon. Audible gas. Yes. Audible oh, gas. Oh. Okay. 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 Death tally: six. Two on screen. Four referred to. Yeah. Pretty good haul. Yeah. Pretty good haul.
1: Especially since there was no death.
0: Yeah, they were building up to something big. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anybody have a Even saddest this death? episode
0: wasn't big. No, not really. They didn't set the deaths up to be sad. They set them up to be a relief. And yeah. I which was sad in its own right.
2: I figured that the saddest death probably happened before the show. Yeah.
0: One of those first yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those first four was probably really tragic. Yeah. They seemed pretty torn up about it, so (laughs) it's a good bet. What about 007 for this week? You know,
2: I gave it – I said George, I guess. (laughs) Um, Mostly because George, again, didn't – so Burke, like, sent him on the case to find his scrub cap, and he spent the entire episode being Christina Yang's little brother. Um, And I decided that that made him a bad doctor because – he just like he he didn't he didn't practice any medicine. He was annoying to other doctors who were actually trying to practice medicine. But I don't know. It felt like sort of a soft nomination. Yeah.
1: yeah. Again, misuse of interns. Yes. <laughs> Every single time an attending m- uses an intern for something that's not medical. I'm just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and also why the interns accept it. They're like, yeah, yeah, that seems like a good use it of my seems time. seems
0: appropriate. I don't sure. have anything else to do. Yeah. Um, I said Izzy mm. because she's just going to be my ongoing 007. Yeah. Uh, but really, it, it came down to the scene where Denny asks Alex sort of about his options and his chances with this upcoming procedure. And Izzy's painted a really rosy picture for him because, mm-hmm. of course, Izzy wants the power of positive thinking. And Danny just wants the reality of the situation. Yeah, and I think it's really, it's really an indictment of Izzy um, as a medical intern <laughs> that her patient has to go to somebody else because the patient understands that she's not, she doesn't have enough distance to really uh, consult. Yeah. on his case.
2: Yeah, it's
0: bad. It's bad. Izzy should have realized that limitation before her patient realized it. It's a bad sign. So
1: that is true. Uh, um, I actually left 007 blank. Mm. I think if I were to give it to people medically, it would be the four doctors who killed people at the <laughs> beginning of the show.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but if I were to give it to someone emotionally, I feel like it's Christina. Mm. She was so yeah. unfeeling towards Jesse and not really... Taking care of his medical needs. Yeah. She was unresponsive to the feedback from Raj that like he needs to do these things to feel better about what's going on in his medical case. And if she had just done those things, it would have made things just go so much smoother.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Krev of the week. Who was our who was our asshole this week? I said Karev, he did threaten to physically assault George.
2: Yeah, that doesn't look good. That's not a good look. I will say, though, okay, here's the other though, thing. Technically,
0: Izzy threatened to physically assault Yang. Yeah. So, Yeah. potato, potato.
1: But that was funny.
0: It was funny, though. And she's this a girl. was, and
1: Alex was angry. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. a girl. And Izzy's from the trailer park. Yeah. Right. She, could... she will kick your ass. Yeah, she will.
2: I swear to God, Christina, I like you. I really do. But I grew up in a trailer park. And I am not above kicking your pampered little Beverly Hills ass. And I do mean physically kicking your ass.
1: It was said with that same inflection from a few episodes ago where she was like, or do you literally want to take your pants off? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. my God.
2: You're Good so catch. right. Same you line so reading. You right. are Holy
0: shit.
2: That's amazing. <laughs> I haven't had sex in eight months and 12 days. I'm horny, I'm half-naked, and I'm saying yes. So you want to stand there and talk metaphors?
1: You want to literally take off your pants?
2: She does have that very specific inflection <laughs> that we see from her a lot. Um, you know what I'll say, yeah. though, about about Alex, that Alex and George interaction? So I gave, I gave the crev of the week to George because he continued to be just a tool shed to Meredith. And, and also to Christina, right? Like, he barges in on her in the bathroom, and I think that that's, like, deeply rude and, and, like, very upsetting. And the reason that we're supposed to be upset by it is because Callie sees him, and that's kind of, like, not the right reason to be upset why there's a man, like, borderline assaulting a woman in a bathroom. And so I think that that was a real asshole thing that he did. I also think that, like, Alex is really mean to George and does thre- threaten to physically assault him. But that's also, like, what gets George over this whole thing, right? Like, it's when Alex, like, gets up in his face and yells at him and calls him a coward. Well, he calls him a little girl, to be clear. And, um, you know, the deepest insult. And it causes George to go ask Callie out and do this thing that he's been, like, not, not, not courageous enough to do. Um, and so I think it's, again, like what you were talking about earlier, Patrice, of, of Alex sort of getting a bad rap for just doing what nobody else is really brave enough to do. So that's a long way of saying George is both my 007 and my crev of the week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I respect him. Talking about George, I was, one, deeply disturbed by this bathroom scene and that they play that fucking, like, comedy yes. cue music. Because it's so funny that he's in there touching Christina. It is not funny. Rumping her breast. Yeah. It's terrible. (laughs) And then two, very appalled that he goes to ask Callie out. And my only thought was like, he's like, well, I guess I need a rebound. I'm still not over Meredith. I guess Callie's a consolation prize. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: Yep. It's bad. It's really bad.
1: Their romance just doesn't read for me at all. No.
0: No. No. No, Not at all. Chief Resident.
2: Chief Resident. I gave it to Meredith Grey for having humanity and treating her patients
1: with humanity.
0: Being the opposite of Christina Yang. Yeah. (laughs) In this episode. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I also gave it to Meredith for that. But I also said The Chief. Yeah. Because there's actually a scene... One, he explains that the surgery that he's going to do on Ollie is a very hard surgery.
0: He's done 10 and only four have been successful, right? Yeah. Or he's done nine and only four have been successful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's
1: right. Yep. That he's going to do a very hard surgery. Number one, he knocks it out of the park. Yep. Kills it. Yeah. Number Mm, two, in the scene, he's (laughs) actually teaching someone about it. (laughs) This is a teaching hospital. You're so right. (laughs) Lest we forget. We often
2: forget. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 I gave it to the chief as well. Similar, similar feelings on that. Do we have a line of the week? I didn't have a line of the week. I didn't either. I Me either. Not much, not much going for line of the week. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know if we want to get into a medical fact of the week or not. but I, Like, we kind of already...
2: I think our medical fact of the week was the superstitions and the OCD. (laughs) Like, I think that, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. I think that's, I think that's kind of where we kind of already covered that towards the beginning of the episode with the discussion of Jesse. Yeah. And yeah, and I wish that this show had taken OCD a little bit more seriously. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, No, I totally agree. Well, so that's, that's it. Yeah, good talk, guys. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be back. Great talk, everyone. Next week with episode twenty two. We are nearing the end of the second season, um so I'm really excited about that. There's twenty five yeah. episodes in this season, and we're coming up on twenty two. I was 22 just to ask how
0: many episodes do we have. So on?
2: we're Woo. we're we're in the home stretch, um and I think it's gonna be similar similar themes about about some of our, our characters here but um i also think it's going to be exciting i mean the first the first season of gray's anatomy was an abbreviated season as as many sort of you know inaugural seasons are but this is a full 25 episodes and so this is also when when gray's anatomy does um they're sort of famous for this build-up right this like building of anticipation um and we're starting to see that now um with denny and that's that's only going to grow so i'm i'm really looking forward to yeah. it yeah
0: I would say, I would say, although this episode was like a, um, a sort of, Patrice, I think you referred to it as kind of like a character development episode, like, that's just pushing characters forward in not terribly interesting ways, there was a lot of foreshadowing in this episode. Mm-hmm. We get some foreshadowing with Yunos, we get some foreshadowing with Burke and Christina being totally at odds over the superstition thing. That is for sure going to be coming up later. hmm Um... There there were some seeds planted in this episode. It's like it's one of those episodes where the episode itself is not terribly interesting, but the episode in the terms of in terms of the trajectory of the show, uh, kind of is. Yeah. Kind of is. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I'm excited for the season to continue. Ooh, it's gonna get good. And eventually, <laughs> Izzy's gonna fuck a ghost. I'm sorry. <laughs> That that doesn't happen
1: in this season. On that note. (laughs) That's spoilers. Thanks so much for listening. If you made it this far. I don't really know how you would have made it this far. (laughs) But yeah, thanks Thanks. for listening. Thanks. Call and tell us
0: what TikTok is. Bye. (laughs) You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can email us at CodeGrays at Dot com. And you can find us on Twitter at code underscore Graves underscore